0: Hello! Welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. Now, without further ado, let's start the show. Raw will open up with Edge and Beth Phoenix coming down to the ring. Edge talks about his problems that he's been having with Judgment Day and how all of it kind of is his fault. He mentions how he created the group last year and how he hates to admit it. But each person in that group is doing better than they were last year. Edge would then mention how they have been battled for the better part of a year and how he wants his piece of flesh from the Judgment Day for what they did to Beth Phoenix at Extreme Rules. But before Beth could actually officially throw out the challenge towards the Judgment Day, out would walk the Judgment Day. Everybody would be here but Rhea Ripley. They would say how every time Edge has come back, they always put him down and he doesn't know how to stay down. Don would say that Rhea isn't here because she is traveling, promoting WrestleMania. Edge would throw pot shots at each member of the Judgment Day, calling Priest a big labradoodle because he's following Finn everywhere Finn goes. He would call Finn Balor a $1 store version of Jamura Kwai, the virtual insanity artist. Beth would then issue the challenge to Finn to a match at Elimination Chamber. It would be Finn and Rhea going against Edge and her. Finn would accept the match, and then you would see the Judgment Day surround the ring. Now, as they are about to enter the ring, Angelo Dawkins would run down to the ring and Dawkins would handle Priest. Edge would hit Finn with a spear and Dom would be walking up the ramp, but Montez Ford would come from behind, throw Dom into the ring, and Beth would grab Dom up and hit him with a glam slam. Now, this would lead into our first official match of the night, which is an Elimination Chamber qualifying match between Angelo Dawkins and Damian Priest. Priest would win the match by pitfall by hitting the South of Heaven Chokeslam for the win. So Priest has now entered himself in the United States Championship Elimination Chamber match. After this, we would have Dexter Lumis with Johnny Gargano on his corner, going against Baron Corbin, who had JBL in his corner. Dexter would win the match by pinfall by hitting a jumping uranage for the win. And then after the match, they will show a camera shot of JBL just looking unimpressed with Baron Corbin because Baron has constantly lose with JBL just by his side. So later in the night, Baron will walk up to JBL and ask where they're going to eat later that night, and JBL would just have it. He would just throw all of his frustrations towards Barron because Barron has tarnished JBL's Hall of Fame credibility because, again, Barron is always losing. JBL would tell Barron that he is done with him, so now Barron just looks to be managerless, and he just looks to be almost going back to uh, bum-ass Corbin style. Now, after this, we would get Brock Lesnar coming down to the ring, a rare sighting for Brock because Brock never shows up, rarely, On Monday Night Raw, unless it's like for the big events, but here's Brock. Brock will mention that last week he wasn't here on Raw because he was trying to forget his Royal Rumble experience of him being eliminated by Bobby Lashley. And Brock would then list off the events that he tried to do to make him forget about the Rumble. He's talking about going hunting, ice fishing, having a steak dinner, and even laying in bed with his wife. But all of that he thought about Bobby Lashley. Brock would then pull out a contract, and on the contract, it has him going against Bobby at Elimination Chamber. Brock would call Bobby out, and Bobby would come down to the ring. Bobby would reminisce about their last two matches that they had with each other, with both having a win over each other, and Bobby would talk about how he eliminated Brock at the Rumble so easily. Brock would get in the face of Bobby, and Bobby would take the contract, and he would tell the Brock that he's going to have his manager his agent, and his lawyer look over it because they are going to do this on his time. Brock, being Brock, he would grab Bobby and hit him with an F5. Now, Brock would grab his cowboy hat and he's looking to leave the ring, but the crowd would chant for one more time. So, Brock would appease the crowd and he would deliver Bobby with another F5. So, it seems that we're going to get this uh, match between Brock and Bobby because next week they have a contract signing, So expect that match to happen at, at uh, Elimination Chamber. Now, on to a Fatal 4-Way match for an Elimination Chamber uh, qualifying match between Carmella, Piper Nivens, Candice LeRae, and Mia Yim. Carmella would win the match by pinfall when Piper would hit a cannonball on Candice. Then Carmella would hit Piper with a super kick. Carmella would then grab Candice and pin her. So now Carmella has entered herself into the Elimination Chamber where the winner will be facing Bianca Belair at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship. So the competitors in this Elimination Chamber are Oscar, Carmela, Raquel Rodriguez, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, and Natalya. Now, after this, we have Alpha Academy going against Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin with MVP in their corner. Cedric and Shelton would win the match by pinfall when Cedric would hit Gable with a lumbar check for the win. So it seems that we're building back to her business again They've been, like, teasing this and teasing it, but it seems that now with Shelton and Cedric actually having a winning uh, motto on their side and actually having a win in their corner with MVP by their side, it seems that we're getting closer to the Hurt business coming back, especially with Bobby having a contract signing with Brock next week. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see all three of those men literally stand beside uh, Bobby next week in his contract signing. Now, after this, we have Chelsea Green going against Asuka, and the women of the Elimination Chamber, the women participants, would surround the ring watching this. Asuka would win the match by submission when Asuka would get Chelsea locked in a double armbar, and Chelsea would tap out. Now, after this, we will have Cody Rhodes coming down to the ring, and Cody is out here to talk about Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. Cody mentioned how his road to WrestleMania is clear but he doesn't know who he will be facing exactly because he knows Sammy has to face Roman at Elimination Chamber for the championships and Cody will look into the camera and wish Sammy the best of luck in his match with Roman and out walks Paul Heyman as he comes down to the ring. Paul will congratulate Cody for winning the Rumble last week. And Cody will take this time to publicly tell a personal story of how Paul Heyman Helped his family in the year two thousand when his family was broke, a hundred dollars in the family uh, bank account. And Paul called up Dusty Rhodes to appear at ECW, and Paul would tell Dusty that he would pay him handsomely. Cody would say that Paul kept his word, and with that, Dusty gained his confidence. And well, you know the rest is history. Cody would mention that when he was gone and caused some disruption in the industry. He mean when he left WWE. To- go out there and uh, help create AEW. He did that because he studied Paul Heyman and without Paul Heyman's like blueprint, none of that would have been able to actually happen. So Cody would thank Paul Heyman sincerely and tell him that he can never truly repay him for what he has done for his family. And Paul, at this time, he could see in Paul's face, he starts wanting to cry. You see him start getting red in the face. He gets... Tearied eye because this is hitting Paul Heyman hard because this is a real-life situation here. Paul Heyman loved Dusty. Anybody that got in contact with Dusty of that magnitude in the business, everybody will always say something nice about Dusty. So, with Paul having a teary eye and being the professional that he was, well, the professional that he is, he's able to blend in the personal issue with the business. Paul will talk about how Dusty helped prep and train the superstars of the day to be main event talent stars like Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Kevin Owens, Bailey, and the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. But he was not able to do that for Cody. Paul would mention that Dusty might have wanted Cody to break out of his shadow and do things his way. That's why he probably didn't teach Cody the main event way. So Paul would tell Cody of the last time that he did talk to his father, Dusty, and well, here's the audio for you right here. In my last conversation with your dad, he told me you, Cody, were his favorite son. But Roman Reigns was the son he always wanted. You know, I'm just trying to win a wrestling championship, and everybody Everybody wants to make it personal. And that's what you just did, and you're not gonna pay for it, Mr. Heyman. Your boy, Roman Reigns, is going to pay for it at WrestleMania. When I take those titles personally. So, with that now being said, Cody is now more determined to take those undisputed Universal uh, Championships away from Roman, only if Roman is still the champion after Elimination Chamber after his match with Sami Zayn. But, time will tell if he goes against Roman at WrestleMania. Now, after this, we'll get an Elimination Chamber qualifying matchup between Montez Ford and Elias. Theory will be watching the match at commentary, with Montez Ford winning the match by pinfall by hitting a frog splash. Now, after the match, Theory would get on the top of the commentary table raising the U.S. Championship. Seth Rollins would pop out of nowhere and swipe Theory off the commentary table, and Theory would crash to the floor. Seth would then look at Theory and hit him with a curb stomp on the floor, then leave. And now, our United States Championship Elimination Chamber match uh, participants have now been filled with Theory being in it, Seth, Montez Ford, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, and Johnny Gargano all now. Officially locked in for the Elimination Chamber match at the Elimination Chamber live event. Now, the main event of Raw Steel Cage match between Bailey with damage control outside of the ring going against Becky Lynch. Becky would win the match by pinfall thanks to some help from Lita. Becky would have Bailey in the disarmor on top of the cage, and when she lets go, Bailey would fall to the mat. Eo would begin to climb the cage to make sure Becky could not escape, and Dakota would give Bailey her crutch. Bailey would hit Becky with her crutch, and she would hit Becky more with a crutch, and as Bailey would look to do more damage to Becky with the crutch, Lita's music would play and Lita would run down to the ring. Lita would pull Eo from the side of the cage and Eo's body would hit the floor hard. Lita would then run over to the cage door where Dakota is, and Dakota would try to stop Lita with her crutch, but Lita would push Dakota out of the way. Now, with the cage door open as Bailey's about to leave the cage, Lita would slam the door in Bailey's face, and Bailey's body would get pushed back into the ring, and this would allow Becky to catch Bailey and hit her with a manhandle slam and cover her for the win. Now, I was shocked to see Lita come back here, to be honest with you, because last time we saw Lita in the ring i believe it was last year against becky lynch at one of the saudi arabia uh events i believe it was elimination chamber last year at the saudi arabia event so for Lita to come back to help the woman that she went against last year it didn't make sense to me but then i realized oh yeah becky's now the good guy here so becky probably made amends while she was on uh injury report while she was on the sideline so that could probably play a part, but again, we'll have to wait and see if they will uh, mention that next week. Hopefully they will, instead of just leaving that all just up to mystery and chance, but they should. But anyhow, that's your wrestling highlights of the week. Now off to NXT, a couple things to note. Next week on NXT, Wesley, the North American champion, he will be issuing an open challenge for his North American championship. Uh, Roxanne Perez, the NXT Women's Champion, will be going against both Katana Chance and Kaden Carter, with her partner being Miko Satamara. Also, Grayson Waller, he was suspended this week on NXT because he got into not an altercation, but he uh got in the face of Shawn Michaels after Vengeance Day backstage. So on NXT this week, he will be suspended. But next week he'll be back and he will be going against Tyler Bate. Now, all to the events that happened this week on NXT. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams will come down to the ring. Trick would peacock it up for Melo, and Melo would play it up with him winning his match at Vengeance Day with a clean sweep. Melo would say that he has beaten everybody in NXT, but there's only one man left for him to put on a T-shirt, and Melo would say that there's only one event that can hold both of them. And before Melo could say Braun Breaker's name, J.D. McDonough will come down to the ring and tell Melo that he isn't ready to be the face of this brand and he's not ready to hold the NXT Championship. Melo would issue a challenge to J.D. McDonough for a match later tonight, and J.D. would accept, so we get that match later on in that evening. Now, after this, we would get Sol Ruka going against Zoe Stark. Zoe would win the match by pinfall by hitting a tilt to world knee strike to the face. And after the match, Zoe will continue to attack soul until soul will hit Zoe with the soul snatcher. And this will leave Zoe Starks laid out on the mat. So again, NXT, they're putting faith. They're putting a time and attention into soul Ruka as they're doing with Tiffany Stratton. And I like this because this is building up more of their NXT women's division going into 2023. Since we're in 2023, I mean, after like the mania season where they really start the WrestleMania season the wrestling season all over again. So they're building up their women's division and they're trying to give credibility off to Sol Ruka. And I like what they're doing here. Now, after this, we have Dabakato going against Dante Chin. Dabakato would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Baldo Bomb for the win. Now, after the match, an interviewer will come to ringside and ask Kato why he attacked Apollo at Vengeance Day. And Kato would say that Apollo knows what he did and that is why he dropped him. So we're still vague with this, but my hunch as being a fan and watching these two is probably because Apollo went to NXT and he didn't call him to come down here until he actually needed his help. So I can see why Dominikato might have a problem. But again, we're still waiting for Apollo to say something. So we'll probably get an answer for that next week on NXT. Now, after this, we have Isla Dawn with Alba Fire in her corner going against Tatum Paxley. Isla Dawn would win the match by pinfall. When Tatum would miss the crossbody for the second turnbuckle, and Isla will lift Tatum up and hit her with a nightmare on Helm Street for the win. Now, after the match, Alba would get in the ring, and both Isla and Alba Fire look to hurt Tatum Paxley, but Ivy now will run down to the ring. Ivy will have her chain wrapped around her fist, making Isla Dunn and Alba Fire leave the ring. After this, we would get Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams going against JD McDonough. Melo would win the match by pinfall thanks to Ilya Dragunov coming down to the ring. Ilya Dragunov will hit Trick Williams with a torpedo headbutt, and J.D. Medetta will look stunned because J.D. was the guy that put Ilya Dragunov basically on the shelf in recovery because uh, he beat him up bad on one of the episodes of NXT a couple months ago, so Ilya's back here to basically finish his business with J.D., JD will look to hit the devil inside on Melo, but Melo will reverse it into a cradle pin for the win. And after the match, Ilya would get in the ring and Melo would be stunned as Ilya looked to strike. And Carmelo thinks he's about to hit him, but Ilya just pounces on top of JD and starts beating up on JD. And this would allow Carmelo to leave the ring. Now, Ilya will look to hit JD McDonough with a torpedo headbutt, but JD would run out of the ring and leave the crowd as Ilya would follow. So, Ilya Dragunov's whole business with JD McDonough isn't done yet. Carmelo Hayes left unscathed. He now has beaten JD McDonough. And with the return of Braun Breaker next week, we're probably going to get Melo and Braun Breaker having some type of talk and confrontation next week so they can get that match more than likely in official and in writing for them to have their match at stand and deliver. Now, after this, we'll have Valentina Flores with Wendy Chu in her corner. Going against Lyra Valkyria. Lyra would win the match by pinfall by hitting Valentina with a spinning kick to the head. After Electra Lopez came down to the ring to slide Valentina some brass knuckles. Valentina did contemplate using the brass knuckles. And when she finally felt like she was going to use them. That's when she fell to the spinning kick to the head. Now we're still playing up. Electro Lopez trying to make Valentina just do for herself. Don't constantly wait on anybody else. You got to do what you got to do to win, but it's still going in that progress and process of Valentina not trying to to ultimately one day she actually just might go onto the dark side and actually join Electro Lopez. Maybe again, this still could be yes and no, because during this, you had Wendy Chu telling Valentina not to use it so they can go either way with it. But I think they might have Valentina join Electra Lopez. That's just my thought on it. Now, after this, we have Odyssey Jones going against Stax with Tony D in his corner. Stax would win the match by pinfall by hitting a curb stomp, but not with the foot is with his knee. So kind of a curved knee to Odyssey Jones for the win. And this was a shock. I ain't going to hold you. Odyssey Jones going against Stax. When you see it, you think, okay, Odyssey's going to win this. But no, they gave it to Stax. So I think they try to build Stax up just for that one day whenever he actually turns on Tony, because usually that always happens in the mob or an italian style situation especially when somebody's the underboss and the boss so they're trying to build up stacks to the one part that he's going to turn on tony at least that's again what i think is going to happen further down the line But for right now they're building them up now after this we have andre chase and duke hudson going as pretty deadly thea hale earlier in the show she got kidnapped by ava rain of schism and we would see thea hale towards the end of this match When she would run down to the ring and she's covered in schism-like smiley face buttons all over her shirt. And she just runs down to the ring. She yells, help, they're coming to get me. They're coming to get me. Duke Hudson would get off the ring apron. He would consult the Hale, And this would leave Andre Chase all in the ring by himself. And he would be left alone to get hit with spilt milk by Pretty Deadly. And this will allow Pretty Deadly to win their match. And Pretty Deadly, they didn't look too good in this match neither. They looked like they were straight or just... Down on their look. they came out not in ring gear. They came out with their hair in a the mess, their clothes all raggedy and shaggedy because, again, they're not the NXT cha- Tag Team Champions, and they lost their mojo. But after winning this match, you saw them gaining their confidence, gaining their mojo back, and they saw the NXT Tag Team Champions, Gallus, standing on the NXT perch, looking at them, so we might be setting up for Pretty Deadly going against Gallus soon. I still want Schism to go against Gallus at Stand and Deliver, but... Again, we still got time for that to happen, so let's see if they actually do make it happen. Now we're off to the main event segment of NXT, the Ding Dong Hello segment. This is a, well, wrestling talk show hosted by uh, Bayley, and her guest for this show is toxic attractions, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. Now you can see there's tension between Gigi and JC because of what happened at Vengeance Day, and Bayley asked them Why? Gigi and JC would point the finger at each other for not winning the NXT Women's Championship. They would hit pot shots with one another. JC and Gigi just constantly just going at each other's throat. Bailey would try to play peacemaker with the both of them, asking them how they thought about what it would look like if they went their separate way. Both of them have said that you know what they never thought about it, but if they did go their separate way, they know that Gigi would say she would be going straight to the top. JC said that she would go straight to the top. And Bailey will tell him, hey, don't you think it would be better if you guys stuck together because making it to the top with somebody by your side is way better than not having anybody by yourself. So it seems that this would strike a coil with JC and Gigi and those two would just start like reminiscing about the good times that they had and they're talking about maybe giving it one last shot together. Maybe they can win the NXT Women's Tag Team titles and then they'll switched their attention over, and they said, maybe we'll go over and win the WWE Women's Tag Team titles, and they asked Bailey about a match against Damage Control, and now the crowd's into it. Bailey smiling, but she has to tell the crowd, that's not going to happen, you idiots. But since she has been the peacemaker here, and it seems that Gigi and JC are both back on the same like, page, she asks both of them to hug it out, and you'll get a hug between Gigi and JC, And Toxic Attractions music will play. They raise each other's arm in the air. And it seems that everything's all good. They're both back on the same page. But this is wrestling. That's not how NXT ends. It ends with JC hitting Gigi with a super kick. And we get the Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty style breakup here. JC's beating up on Gigi. You see JC throw Gigi into the door that's in the middle of the ring that's set up and Gigi hits the door. JC would boot Gigi right dead in the face. and so You can see the marking on Gigi's face after she gets booted in it. And Gigi's just laying on the floor, like crying and just belly bellyaching boohooing as JC is saying that it was always about her. It was always about her toxic attraction it was always about her. So now Gigi is down there crying. JC is being the, like spotlight glory hog. So again, the breakup has happened. Gigi's going to be the baby phase. People are going to have sympathy for Gigi as now JC's going to be the one that's going to be hated as these two are going to go into a rivalry with one another. And I want to see how this plays out, to be honest with you. I never saw JC outside of her uh, tag team stuff with Gigi. I didn't even see her as an independent star or wrestler. She has some independent stuff background when you do like a Wikipedia search about her. I knew of Gigi beforehand. She was like a manager a lot of the time during her time on the independent, at least for Evolve. That was the in like the independent company that was working with WWE in the 2019, 2018, that type of stuff. So I know her from then. And I don't really know her much for her wrestling. But again, you can look up that stuff for that. But it's gonna be interesting to see how they move and maneuver with J C and Gigi, especially with the limited uh, amount of times that you did see them wrestle like on one-on-one basis in NXT it's going to be interesting it's going to be fun I just want to see how they're going to pull this off between GG and JC but I'm here for the ride now with that that is your NXT wrestling highlights of the week now off to AEW Dynamite Dynamite will open up with MJF going against Kenosuke Takeshita and the condition for this match is if Takeshita would be MJF he would be in line for an AEW World Championship matchup down the line but that does not happen because MJF would beat Takeshita by submission by locking in the Salt of the Earth armbar. Now, after the match, MJF would get his dynamite diamond ring out and hit Takeshita in the head, making Takeshita bleed. MJF would continue to attack Takeshita until Brian Danielson would run down to the ring and MJF would leave the ring and start hobbling to the back. Now, MJF and Takeshita had a great match to open up AEW. Dynamite. And again, this was a great match for Takeshita because not a lot of people might not know about Takeshita. People might be uh, unaware of if they haven't been watching the AEW product, so they just might tune in this week and saw Takeshita going against MGF, a guy that people have a whole lot of uh, respect for. Everybody in WWE, everybody just around in the wrestling business in general have respect for. But just Takeshita having this light shine on him the way that AEW is putting on him is great because again, he's wanted to Future young talents that's going to be basically ruling the world over here in America if he stays over here, or if he goes back to Japan and decides to go to New Japan, he could be one of their top stars next. So, I like what AEW like to have in their focus on uh, Takesha for this. And also, same thing with MGF. MGF, he comes out with his jacket that says 2024. We all know what that means the bidding war of 2024. MGF could go to WWE or to AEW or anywhere he pleases. So, MGF is. Putting that directly in everybody's face here, and this match again showcases why MJF is not only just a credible talker on the mic, but he is one of the best to actually do it in AEW. Not just because, well, he's a world champion, but because he actually has the skills to pay the bills in the wrestling ring. And just because he doesn't get in the ring every single week, like all the other AEW wrestlers that are great, MJF just makes you understand that, hey, there's them and there's me. I am an attraction, so whenever you see me, you guys better uh, relish in what you're seeing. And every time you see MGF in that ring, by God, he lets you, he puts it down your throat. I'm the best, and you guys just better be humbled enough just to accept me being here. So, again, great showing of MGF going against Takeshita here. Um, after this, we get the bunny with Penelope Ford in her corner going against Jamie Hayter, who had Britt Baker and Rubble in her corner. Jamie Hader would win the match by pinfall by hitting Hader Raid for the win. Um, there was not much to talk about for this match. To be honest with you, we all knew that Jamie Hader was going to beat the bunny. It was just after the match you would see a backstage uh interview of Tony Storm and Soraya with Renee Paquette, and in that interview again, Soraya and Tony Storm was making their mission known that they are better than every other woman in the AEW women's division, basically because well. They've been around other places, so everybody here is a loser if they haven't went around everywhere else. So we have now made it known that Soraya and Tony are the villains in this instead of Britt and Jamie Hayter. And also, Britt and Jamie Hayter, they didn't go out of the bad guys' side of the entrance. They came out on the good guys' side of the entrance. So I like that little added of detail for the wrestling fans to understand exactly who the good guys and bad guys are in this uh, rivalry between both groups here. And again, still begs the question, who's going to join over to... Tony and Soraya now at this time I have no idea who it is my mind might go to a Thunder Rosa when she comes back it might go to a Chris Statlander when she comes back or it just might be a person that's on the AEW Women's roster that nobody's paying attention to right now and then when she pops up everybody, like, oh such and such is back here and then bang they're now with Tony Storm and Soraya so again it's me wondering who's going to join their side more than okay Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker are good guys here I just want to know who's going to join Tony and Soraya here and there, uh, trying to take over the women's division. Now, after this, we will have the garcia guevara Gauntlet Challenge, which is Ricky Starks will have to beat Angelo Parker, Matt Menard, and Deo Garcia for a chance to face Chris Jericho in that same night. And Ricky would beat Angelo Parker with a spear. He would roll up Matt Menard pretty quickly. And then when he got to Deo Garcia... He will lose to Garcia because of Chris Jericho. When Ricky and Daniel Garcia were fighting outside of the ring, Ricky would get close to the barricade, and a masked fan would hit Ricky with a back elbow. Ricky would drop to the floor, and Garcia would pick him up, get him in the ring, and pin him to win the match. The masked fan would get in the ring and unmask himself, and it's Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho has this kind of thing where he likes to wear masks and like to beat up his uh, opponents as he's in a rivalry with. He's been doing this for years. He did it with Rey Mysterio. He did it with Kenny Omega by wearing a mask of Penta gone at the all-out event in 20, what, 2018? He's been doing this for years. But point being, Ricky Stars did not get his match for Chris Jericho. But we're trying to stall this out until revolution where we know we're gonna get Ricky versus Chris Jericho at that event. Now, after this, we would get Roosh versus Brian Danielson. And at first it looked like this match wasn't going to happen because Jose and Preston Vance will lock. Brian Danielson's door, ensuring that he wouldn't make it to the ring as MGF and Roosh were in the ring. And MGF would tell the referee to start counting Brian Danielson out. Now Brian would bust the door down and then run to the ring, making it at the count of seven. And we would have our match between Brian Danielson and Roosh. Brian would win the match by pinfall when he hit Roosh with a Boseco knee for the win. And after the match, MGF would hobble down to the ring. And knock out Brian Davison with the Dynamite Diamond Ring the same way that he did uh, Takeshka earlier in the night. MJF will lock in this arm bar and tell Brian he isn't going to make it to March 5th, which is Revolution for the Ironman match, because this was Brian's last obstacle so he can get that match. So now he's obtained it. The security guards would run down to the ring and try and get MJF off of Brian's arm, but MJF wouldn't let go. And then we would go to commercial break here. I would like to say that Roosh and Brian Danielson, they had one beat down of a match. You saw Brian Danielson with an injured arm here. Since every one of his competitors for the last following weeks, whether it was Timothy Thatcher or Brian Cage or even Roosh in this instance, they have been working over Brian Danielson's arm at the bequest of MJF because MJF was worried of Brian Danielson. So he already has a linked limped arm coming into this matchup here. And with Roosh constantly Chopping Brian in the chest multiple times in this match to make Brian's chest look red all up in the face and Brian bleeding from his forehead. This match was just extremely brutal between Brian and Roosh. I mean, it just seems that Brian Danielson likes this type of match. You even see Rouge and Brian at points like trade headbutts back and forth constantly towards the end of the match before the Paseco knee hits, but Roosh and Brian danielson they put on one great of a match here. And again, I like what they're doing with Roosh here. They put Roosh in certain matches where Roosh is able to showcase his skills. And this match here with Brian Dawson, Roosh was able to showcase his skill of just being a complete brawler. And a guy that's willing to beat the ever-loving crap out of his opponent. And I like to see that out of Roosh, personally. So this match with him going against Brian, it was right up my alley. And personally, I enjoyed it. Now, after that match, we get the Trios Championship match. Top Flight and AR Fox going against The Elite. The Elite would win the match by pinfall when Kenny Omega would pin AR Fox and a crucifix pin after going pin for pin with AR Fox once he countered the one-winged Angel. Now, this was an incredible matchup. Again, AEW are putting a lot of light on Top Flight. And again, I've said it for weeks and weeks every time I have to see Top Flight like Russell, I enjoy it because guess what they're one of the young top talented tag teams that AEW has and I like what they're doing with them they're athletic you can see them being literally up next to win the tag team titles whenever they are like destined to do it and everybody actually would enjoy them being tag team champions because during this matchup here there was a moment where they almost were trios tag team champions here when they would hit their tag finish which is a power bomb and uh Dante would hit his uh, nosedive onto, I believe, Nick Jackson and they would pit him and they got the one, two, and then you see Matt and Kenny get in the ring to make the save. That was one time. And also, again, when AR Fox countered out of the one-winged angel and he got Kenny in a roll-up, I thought, okay, they're not going to do this. And then the referee almost hit his hand at three. I said, oh my God, they're going to make them win. And then, nope, Kenny kicked out. I was like, oh, okay. This match was great, again, another showcasing moment for Top Flight and also AR Fox. AR Fox, he doesn't like get a lot of airtime on Dynamite, so anytime he's on like Dynamite or even Rampage, I'm excited to see him on these shows because he's a guy that's been busting his tail so long on the Independence, and then when he got signed to AEW, to see him just be on the shows is just a great feeling to see someone just basically get their just due. So anytime AR Fox is on television, always gives it a thumbs up. And anytime he's with Top light, a team that is getting the spotlight from AEW, that's a double thumbs up. So again, this match here was another double thumbs up from me. You guys need to go watch this match. And you also need to go watch the Roosh and Brian Danielson matchup too, by the way. Now, main event time, tag team championship match. The Acclaim, defending it against the Guns with Billy Gunn in the back. Well, he said earlier in the night in a backstage interview that he would not be coming out there because he has a lot of love for all four of the men in this match, so he did not want to go out there and pick a side, so he decided to stay in the back. The Guns would win the match by pinfall and become the new AEW Tag Team Champions when Anthony Bones would knock the referee out of the ring by accident with an elbow when Austin Gunn pulled the referee in so he could take the blow. Now, once that happens, Austin Gunn would leave the ring and grab a tag team championship, get in the ring and look to hit Anthony Bones with it. But Billy Gunn would get in the ring and stop Austin from doing it. Colton Gunn, however, would take the championship and hit Billy with it. Now, Anthony Bones and Max Castor would get up and start throwing hands with the guns because what well, they just did to Billy, and they would kick Colton Gunn out of the ring, and then the acclaim would hit the tag finish, the arrival, and then the mic drop on Austin, but the referee was still knocked out cold. Max Caster would leave the ring to try to wake the referee up, but once he did and he got the referee inside the ring, Colton would throw Max into the barricade. Now, Austin and Anthony would try to get behind each other for a roll-up pin, and Anthony would get it on Austin Gunn, but Austin would shove Anthony into the second ropes, and Colton would hit Anthony with the Tag Team Championship, and Austin would now pin Anthony for the win. So, all in all, the Guns are your new tag team champions. I'm not mad at it, because I said it probably about a weeks, couple weeks ago, Um, that the Guns should be the ones to probably end the tag team title reign of the Acclaim, because, again, uh, the Acclaim took their father away from them, so why not take something that the Acclaim hold dear to them, the tag team titles, to kind of make it even? And it also, it added that little drama of okay is billy going to come out there and help the eclaim is he going to come out there and basically betray the eclaim like he did like last year that didn't happen here so now this adds another element to the rivalry between the eclaim and the guns since the guns are now the new AEW tag team champions so where will this all lead into next week on dynamite i don't know but only time will tell but with that that is your AEW dynamite wrestling highlights of the week now we're off to impact wrestling and impact would open up with a qualifying match to be placed in the number one contenders fatal four-way match at no surrender the competitors would be brian myers going against dirty dango brian myers would win the match by pinfall by hitting the roster cut which is basically a clothesline on dirty dango outside of the ring then throw him inside the ring and hit him with another one then cover him for the win after this, we have the Good Hands, which are John Skyler and Jason Hotch, going against Tommy Dreamer and Mickey James. Mickey James and Tommy Dreamer would win this match by pinfall when Mickey and Tommy would hit the Good Hands with simultaneous DDTs for the wins. Now, after the match, Mickey would be on the second turnbuckle celebrating their win, but Bully Ray would get in the ring and attack Tommy Dreamer from behind. Mickey would see Bully and get off the second turnbuckle, start walking towards Bully. Bully would go to the ring which would allow Masha Slamovich to get in the ring and come behind Mickey and turn around hit her with a spinning backfist, then lay Mickey out with snow snowplow. Because Mickey and Masha Slamovich are supposed to have a match with one another at No Surrender for the Knockouts uh, Championship, and Bully is having a problem with Tommy Dreamer, so this is the reason why this uh, situation occurred. Now, after this, we will have the debut of Steph DeLanda, which is former uh, NXT's uh, Persia Parada going against... Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Grace Driver for the win. To be honest with you, Steph Delanda here. I'm glad that she's in Impact, and I've said it before. You don't have to go to AEW just because you get released from WWE. You can go to Impact and um, rebuild yourself and re-form uh, your resume, if you will. And for me, I feel that this should be a great place for her to build up her resume back for if she ever does decide to go back to WWE or if she wants to go to AEW. So... Her being an impact, it's a nice move. Now, after this, we have Killer Kelly and Taylor Wilde going to get the Death Dolls, Taya and Rosemary, with Havoc in their corner. Rosemary and Taya would win the match by pinfall when Taya would get Killer Kelly in the glam slam position. and Rosemary would run over and hit a faceplant combo for the win. After the match, Father James Mitchell would come out on the entrance stage and tell Rosemary that she has been paying tribute like she's supposed to. So that has made... James Mitchell's boss upset and whenever he's upset everybody becomes upset so now Mitchell is out here to put a hex on Rosemary now Rosemary will leave the ring and start walking up to James Mitchell but what people don't know is that the hex which are Marty Bell and Allison K, would appear in the ring behind Havoc and Ty and start beating them up Rosemary would run down to the ring to try to help out her tag partners but she would get beat up in the end, and the Hex would stand tall. Now, for the people that are not aware of who Allison K or Marty Bell are, Allison Kaye is a former knockouts champion, and her and Marty Bell are former NWA Women's Tag Team Champions. I have not really kept up with much of their work ever since I stopped tuning into the NWA, but I do know of Allison Kaye's work, like whenever she was in Impact in, what, 2016, 2017 around that ballpark range when she was around there and she was uh, killing it as impact knockouts champion and Marty Bell. I'm not really too much familiar with her work, but again, just to see them now in impact again is to rebuild up their resume for them to have some in ring time and on television. It's not a bad thing again for impact to have a lot of ladies for their knockouts roster. So them having Marty Bell and uh, Alison K here is a win for impact. And personally, I, like to see talent get opportunity and marty bell and allison k being here in impact it should be a right move for them now after this we will get another qualifying matchup to be in the fatal Way match at no surrender and this time the competitors are shira going against pco pco would win the match by pinfall by hitting the pco salt which is a Moon Salt on shira for the win now next week there'll be two more qualifying matches and it will be Steve Macklin going against Rhino, and Eddie Edwards going against Heath. Now, time for the main event for the Digital Media Championship, champion Joe Hendry going against challenger Matt Cardona. Joe Hendry would retain his Digital Media Championship by pinfall, thanks in part to Brian Myers. When Matt Cardona and Joe Hendry were down on the mat, Brian Myers would appear from the crowd and jump the guardrail and grab the Digital Media Championship and slide it into the ring. The referee would grab the championship, take it out of the ring, and this would allow Brian to get in the ring and look to hit Joe Henry with the roster cut. But Hendry would move out of the way and Brian would hit Matt Cardona. Joe Henry would then grab Brian Myers, throw him out of the ring, and Hendry would grab Cardona, hit him with the standing ovation, which is a one handed spine buster, and the referee would come back in the ring. Hendry would cover Matt Cardona for the win. Now, after the match, Moose would run down to the ring. And Moose would look to hit Hendry with the spear. But again, Hendry would move out of the way. And Moose would hit Matt Cardona with the spear. Tonight was just not Matt Cardona's night. And it would not get any better. Because after that whole situation would get done. Joe Hendry would grab his digital media championship and the microphone. And he says, I expected to have my music play. But tonight's not about me. It's about Matt Cardona. So he would have Matt Cardona's music play. But it's not the Matt Cardona music That he walks down to the ring with. No it is the Joe Hendry spoof of Matt Cardona's music. The one that he called Matt Cardona. Edge's bitch. His words not mine. But again we're back to this again. And it just was not Matt Cardona's night. So again this might be Matt Cardona's way out of Impact Wrestling. I'm not certain if that's the case or not. But there's been rumblings. So again I don't like to really. harp on rumors. Unless it's been really confirmed. But again. Those have been rumblings of Matt Cardona probably leaving Impact Wrestling. So this might be the way that they write him off of Impact and have him basically leave Impact Wrestling the same way that they did Chelsea Green when Chelsea lost to Mickey James. But time will tell. Next week, we'll probably get some more clarification on that. But with that, that is your Impact Wrestling wrestling highlights of the week. Now we're off to SmackDown. SmackDown will open up with Paul Heyman in the middle of the ring. Paul would say that the Island of Relevancy is under a 2 prong attack. The first is from SmackDown's A Crazed Rebel, Sami Zayn. Paul will let the crowd know that Sami isn't here because they would chant for the name of Sami. And he would ridicule at the idea of Sami even becoming the undisputed champion. And the other challenger is Cody Rhodes. Paul would mock Cody and call him an idiot and a dumbass because while Cody wants to fight for a championship, those championships that Roman Reigns hold are everything to the bloodline. Paul will make it clear that without those championships, there is no Island of Relevancy, there is no Bloodline, there is no Paul Heyman, and there is no Roman Reigns. Now, when he makes this statement, Sami Zayn would appear behind Paul Heyman, and Paul would freeze when he sees Sami. Sami would ask for the mic just like Roman Reigns would, and Paul would hand it off to Sami, and Sami would tell Paul that he isn't going to hurt him. But if he wanted to, he could have. Sammy would mention to Paul how a month ago, if Paul was in the ring, he would have Solo, Jimmy, and Jay around him, but right now, he's by himself, and how if Sammy was wanting to raise a hand up to Paul a month ago, all of the bloodline would have attacked him, but he could do that easily right now with Paul Heyman, but he reassures Paul again that he isn't here to attack him. Sammy would tell Paul that Roman's world is crashing down around him, and he knows it, and everybody in the bloodline knows it. Sammy will let Paul Heyman know that Roman has eight days before he loses it all. So that's Sammy's mission statement to Paul Heyman. And after this will happen, we'll go backstage and Jimmy Uso's on the phone. He's trying to get his brother Jay on the phone. He just couldn't get him. So now you see Jimmy being paranoid because he knows he has to defend those SmackDown Tag Team Championships later in the night. Now, after this, we will have Drew McIntyre and Sheamus going against Hit Row with B-Fab in their corner. Drew and Sheamus would win the match by pinfall when Drew would hit Top Dollar with a Claymore kick. Then Sheamus would hit Ashanti Adonis with a bro kick for the win. After the match, a video from the Viking Raiders would play saying that next week they will face Drew and Sheamus and that match gets made official. After this, we would have Lacey Evans going against Cameron Harris and Lacey would win the match by submission by making Cameron tap out to the Cobra Clutch. Now, again, we would go backstage Jimmy's on the phone again, trying to get in contact with Jay. He could get in contact. Paul will walk up to Jimmy, ask him, "Did you get in contact with Jay?" Jimmy will say, "Nope." So now you see Paul panicking a little bit. Jimmy's panicking a little bit, but then Jimmy comes to the realization and he says, "You know what? My brother's going to be out there for me. I have no worry." So it's time for the tag team title match. SmackDown tag team titles be on the line. Braun Strowman and Ricochet going against Jimmy Uso. Well. And Jey Uso, because once the introductions were being made, you see Braun and Ricochet in the middle of the ring with Jimmy. Jimmy's pacing back and forth, and you see Ricochet just looking at Braun like, is Jimmy really going at this alone? And as soon as they're saying Jimmy Uso, out would walk Jey Uso down the stairs of the crowd and jay would make his way to the ring and you see jimmy and jay embrace with each other in the middle of the ring and now we get the match officially started now the winners of the match will be the usos that will retain the smackdown tag team titles when jimmy and ricochet were fighting on the top turnbuckle jay would tag himself in and ricochet wouldn't know it ricochet would knock jimmy off the top turnbuckle and hit a shooting star press on jimmy uso and once he does this, Ricochet will flop off with Jimmy and Jay will fly off another turnbuckle and hit Ricochet with an Uso Splash to cover Ricochet for the win. So the Usos are still your SmackDown Tag Team Champions as well as... Now we're having conflicting situations. Is Jimmy and Jay both on the same page now? Or is Jimmy and Jay both in the bloodline? Is Jay still with the bloodline? We will get these answers later because after this match, you will see Jimmy and Jay backstage... Jimmy asks Jay, okay, are you still with us or are you not? What's the deal? And Jay will tell Jimmy, I don't know. And you just see Jay walk away. So Jimmy's just looking at Jay and he's conflicted by this. Paul will walk up to Jimmy and ask, Jimmy, what did Jay say? Is he with us or not? And you see Jimmy just tell Paul he doesn't know. And he just walks away. So now you get more confusion about is Jay still with the blow line or not. And later in the night, you would see Jay Uso walking around in the parking lot and he'll be stopped by Sami Zayn. Sami tells Jay that he appreciates him not attacking him at the Royal Rumble. And he's trying to play up to Jay for him basically leaving the blow line. He's trying to make Jay come to the conclusion that he needs to leave and that it'd be in Jay's best interest if, he sees Roman's whole empire basically be brought down because the bloodline, if people remember, it was all brought together because of Roman Reigns basically manipulating Jey Uso whenever they were in their little feud in 2020. So if Roman Reigns loses the championships, as Paul has already said earlier, if he Roman Reigns loses the championship, there is no bloodline, there is no Roman Reigns, then Jey Uso will be out of this mental hellhole that Roman has basically been putting on him for the past three years. And to finish it off, Sammy would tell Jay that he acknowledges Jay Uso. And he would put his fist up for a dap. And Jay would tell Sammy that he needs to get out of here with that. Sammy tells Jay, I will. And Sammy still has his fist up for the dap. Jay will look around for a minute, but then he'll dap up Sammy and then Sammy will leave. Now, after this, we will get Natalia coming down to the ring. And she will talk about being in the Elimination Chamber and how she took this opportunity away from Shayna Baszler because they have history. Because a month ago, well, a couple months ago, Shayna broke Natalia's nose, and this was Natalia's revenge on Shayna Baszler. Natalia would say that when she wins the Elimination Chamber, she will be punching her ticket to WrestleMania, while Shayna Baszler will be going back to carrying Ronda Rousey's bags and basically being an understudy for Ronda Rousey. Shayna Baszler would come down to the ring and she would get at Natalia. Shayna would say that she had competed in cage fights before Ronda. She was traveling around the world wrestling before Ronda. She was signed to WWE before Ronda. And she was winning championships here in WWE before Ronda even got here. So Shayna is basically taking offense to everybody, thinking that she's basically another Ronda Rousey knockoff. Now, with saying that, Ronda Rousey would come down to the ring, which is a surprise to everybody. And you see Shayna Baszler and Ronda look at one another. And you think something's about to happen between the two. But nope. You will see Ronda and Shayna attack Natalya. And then they beat up on Natalya. And this will lead to Shotzi running down to the ring and try to make the save. But she too would get wrecked. And it will be announced that next week, Shotzi and Natalya will be going against Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Now, after this, we will have a tag team matchup of Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green going against Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. Raquel and Liv would win the match by pinfall when Raquel would hit Chelsea Green with the Tejano bomb. Then Liv would hit her with the Oblivion. And to finish it off, you would see Raquel Powerbomb Live on top of Chelsea, and Liv would cover Chelsea for the win. Now it's time for the main event, Fatal 4-Way match, where the winner will be facing Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship next week. In this match, we have Rey Mysterio, Karrion Cross, Santos Escobar, and Madcap Moss. Now, the least favorite person to win this match will happen to win, which will be Madcap Moss. Madcap will win the match by pinfall, when Karrion Cross will hit Rey Mysterio with the cross hammer, which is a forearm behind the head of Rey. And Santos will hit Karrion Cross with the cross body, sending them both out of the ring. And now Madcap will jump off the top turnbuckle and hit Ramsey with an elbow drop. And Madcap will pin Ray for the win. So Madcap will be facing Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship next week on SmackDown. Now, the last moments that you see on SmackDown is Jimmy Uso in the locker room. He's watching the television. And you see Paul Heyman walk up on Jimmy. He taps him on the back. He tells Jimmy that, listen, I got on the phone with Roman and I would have put him on speaker but there's no reception in here and he basically tells jimmy this next week him and jay will be home and they should watch smackdown next week they should watch it because there are certain things you see while you're home watching the show that you don't see when you're there live and this is contemplating that roman reigns saw jay talk to sammy in the parking lot and that roman basically saw everything go down Tonight on SmackDown. So next week, Roman Reigns is gonna be on SmackDown. He's probably gonna say some words to Sammy. He's probably gonna have some words for Jay and Jimmy while they're home watching the show. Because next week is the last episode of SmackDown going into the Elimination Chamber is the go home show and this must-see TV because this is gonna be the last appearance of Roman and Sammy before one of the two have to face Cody at WrestleMania for the undisputed championships. So Expected to be some type of chaos between Roman and Sammy next week on SmackDown, but now with that all being said, that is your SmackDown wrestling highlights of the week. Now off to AEW Rampage. Rampage will open up with a trios match with Blackpool Combat Club's own Claudio Castagnoli, John Moxley, and Willie Uta going against The Butcher, The Blade, and Kip Sabian. Blackpool Combat Club would win the match by a pinfall when Moxley would catch Kip Sabian with a cutter, and Claudio would hit The Blade with a pop-up uppercut. For the win. Up next was Ruby Soho going against Marina Shafir with Vicky Guerrero in her corner. Ruby would win the match by pinfall by hitting Destination Unknown for the win. After the match, Soraya and Tony Storm would walk out on the entrance stage, and Soraya would tell Ruby that they came out here to have a friendly chat with Ruby. But before they could do so, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter would attack Soraya and Tony Storm, and it would lead to a lot of security to separate the ladies. And this is still continuing on with Soraya, Britt, Tony, and Jamie having beef. Still, the AEW girls going against the Outsider girls here. And again, Ruby is stuck in the middle of it because Ruby likes the AEW girls, the homegrown talent here. But she also is from another place, so she can side with either side she wants to. And again, this is still going to be a nice, interesting Uh, feature to see whose side she sticks with. Again, I think she's going to stick with AEW side more than... Uh, Soraya and Tony, but time will tell. Now, after this, we have Jungle Boy Jack Perry going against Ryan Nemeth. Jungle Boy would win the match by pinfall by hitting a running elbow strike to the back of the head of Ryan for the win. After the match, Brian Cage and Prince Nana would appear on the stage and look at Jungle Boy, and it seems they're probably going to have a rematch probably next week on Dynamite or Rampage. It was not announced, but that's the way it looks. And also, Jungle Boy would motion to his waist Because he wants to win his first ever singles championship. And it seems that that's what they're pushing forward to in uh, 2023 for Jungle Boy now. No longer being a tag team wrestler. Going after singles gold. And personally, that's a good uh, thing for Jungle Boy to be honest with you. I have no problem with him going after singles gold. If he goes after the Mid-Atlantic, well, the All-Atlantic Championship, that'd be great. If he goes after the TNT title, that'd be great. I think him going after the World Heavyweight Championship right now, I think that's a little bit too early for Jungle Boy. So... Either the TNT or the All-Atlantic Championship right now for Jungle Boy is perfect for him. Now, speaking of the All-Atlantic Championship, the main event of Rampage is for the All-Atlantic Championship with the champion Orange Cassidy with Dan Housen in his corner going against Lee Moriarty who has Stokely Hathaway in his corner. Orange Cassidy would win the match by pinfall when Lee Moriarty had Orange locked in the Border City stretch, and Orange Cassidy would roll over and pin Lee Moriarty's shoulders to the mat, and that's how Orange Cassidy would win the match here. It's good to still see Lee Moriarty here. I'm glad that he was here going against Orange Cassidy. I just need Lee Moriarty to be on the television screen more, and I need the firm as a whole group to be around more. Since the Gun Club won the tag team titles now, and at least that's one of the objectives that the firm wanted to accomplish when they actually came together so hopefully more uh, firm members will come together and Stokely's whole group of the firm will come together as one whole super group but time will tell with that now after the match Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal's music would hit and Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen will look at the entrance but Satnam Singh would be standing there Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal would slide in the ring behind Orange and attack Orange Cassidy with the Golden Globe Award that he took from actor Paul Hauser uh, a couple weeks ago. They will also attack uh, Dan Danhausen with the trophy. You would see Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta run down to the ring and try to help out, but they too would get hit with the award. And standing saying, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal are just standing tall. You see Jeff telling Sottenham to hold up Orange Cassidy so they can hit him with the trophy one more time. But before they could hit him, the Acclaim's music would hit and the Acclaim runs down to the ring, making Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Sottenham sing, leave out of the ring and walk up to the back. Now, remember, the Acclaim still have beef with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. They only had a couple matches, what, last month? So their whole beef is still not done with here. So we'll probably get into that next week on Dynamite or Rampage. But At the end of Rampage, the acclaimed saves the best friends from getting beat down more by Jeff Jarrett and Satnam Singh. Now with that, that is your Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now before I get you guys out of here, since this is Black History Month, this will be the second week of me shining a light on a black wrestler. And this week I'm going with a two-time Hall of Famer and his name is Booker T. Now let me just read you off the resume of Booker T so you can get why I'm going to be shining a spotlight on him. In WCW, he was a four-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, a six-time WCW Television Champion, a one-time United States Champion, a ten-time WCW Tag Team Champion with his brother Stevie Ray, and he was the ninth WCW Triple Crown Champion. Over in WWE, he is a one-time WCW Champion, a one-time World Heavyweight Champion, a three-time World Tag Team Champion with partners Test Goldberg, And Rob Van Dam, a one-time WCW Tag Team Champion with Test, an Intercontinental Champion one time, three times United States Champion, two times Hardcore Champion, a 2006 King of the Ring. He's the 16th Triple Crown Champion, eighth Grand Slam Champion, and as I said before, he's a two-time Hall of Famer in the WWE Hall of Fame in class of 2013, going in by himself, and in 2019, going in as a team with his brother, Stevie Ray. Just like last week with MVP Booker T, he is another uh, rags to riches story. If anybody saw his AE autobiography, well, not autobiography, but his biography uh, last year on AE, people would see how Booker T was raised and how he was basically raised up in the slums and how he did some questionable things in his past with Landon in jail. He ended up serving his time and. In 1992, he would start his route into professional wrestling. Now, there's a multiple things about Booker T that people might know him for. People know Booker T for the Spin and Rooney. People know Booker T probably because of the infamous uh, he's going to get Hulk Hogan promo. People might know Booker T for just his entertaining uh, personality. People know Booker T because of the whole King Booker situation. I mean, there's a lot of things people might know Booker T for in wrestling and that's a good thing booker t is a multi-faceted character in professional wrestling he was able to do everything if you wanted him to do a serious promo he got that for you if you want him to have fun in a promo he was able to do that if you wanted him to build up an opponent he was able to do that i mean booker t was literally everything that you wanted in a professional wrestler and more. I mean, just think about some of the things that Booker T went up against in WWE to the point that WWE needed him, that they had to actually get his wife under contract. Booker T mentions that in the AE biography. He mentioned how whenever he got tired in WWE, how he was basically just homesick, and he wanted to actually just leave WWE. WWE asked him, hey, listen, we need you What would make you happy? And he said, man, I need my wife. And guess what? They gave Booker T's wife a legit contract, and she started going on the road with Booker T. And Booker T was actually able to last a couple more years with WWE before he actually had to go off and actually recoup himself, and that's when he landed up in TNA. And he got to be in TNA for a couple years, and people might know him for being in TNA as the whole Black Snow uh, commentary thing. That's a thing on wrestling internet. That people will like to just go to just to get a laugh about. in that how uh, a couple people will play that from time to time on Twitter. If you haven't looked up and you don't know about Black Snow. Just type in Booker T. Black Snow on YouTube. It's stupid. It's literally Booker T. doing commentary with Kevin Nash in TNA. And then he pops into the ring and he starts having a live microphone. And he's helping his group beat up another set of talent in tna in the ring and he's doing commentary on himself beating up people and he ends up beating up austin creed better known as xavier woods in tna so again booker t is a multifaceted person and everybody loves booker t now a uh, long time wrestler and mini rival of booker t Uh, Kurt Angle has said that Booker T is literally one of the top five best of all time. You will have another rival of Booker T's, JBL. He would describe Booker T as being the best acquisition that WWE got when they bought WCW in 2001. Um, Booker T is now the most decorated wrestler in WCW's whole entire history. And continuing on, he was the first African-American WCW world television champion. As well as, as his time in WCW, he was the second ever African-American champion to hold the World Heavyweight Championship in WCW after Ron Simmons. And Ron Simmons, he held the title in 1992. And Booker T, he held the championship in 2000. That's a nice eight-year period of not having a black world champion in WCW. And let me just say that again to you. WCW... Back at that time, good old boy state. It was nothing but, WW was in the south, so we all know the reputation of the south and how people perceive the south. So you kind of expect that, for that to be a long, big gap period when you think about having a world champion in professional wrestling. Professional wrestling, you don't really get much black uh, world champions. I mean, you got The Rock, you got Ron Simmons, you got Booker T. I mean, you got Kofi Kingston. I mean, like, those are the prevalent ones, like, of the big major companies that everybody put their eyes on. Like, when you think about Black World Champions, those are about it, like, legitimately. I mean, you got Rich Swann from Impact, you got Ron Killens, R-Truth, who held the NWA World Championship, and he was the first ever Black person to hold the NWA World Championship, but NWA TNA was not on television whenever R-Truth held the championship, so again, only a certain select amount of people got to see R-Truth as champion. But with The Rock and Booker T and even Kofi, you got to see a lot of people see those guys on television as the world champion. Same thing with Ron Simmons. So for wrestling in general, just to have a black world champion, it's important. It is very important. So for Booker T to be given the opportunity in 2000 when the only black other black world champion at the time was basically like The Rock. It was big time important. So for Booker T to have that on his resume, for him to be a four-time WCW champion in WCW, and then he wins his fifth WCW championship in WWE, and they would count that as basically uh, Booker T being the second black world champion in WWE history, and they would say that he's the first ever non-mix uh, race champion of the ethnicity, basically being he's straight, strictly black, while The Rock is Samoan or Pacific Island and African American. Booker T is specifically black, so he's the first ever black world champion in WWE. It's a big accomplishment, and for to have that for Booker T, it's a big accomplishment. Booker T is the man. When you think about Booker, he really is. And as a matter of fact, Booker T is so much the man that he opened up his own wrestling school down in Texas called Reality Wrestling. And he has helped craft some people to be stars of tomorrow. Whether it be a Roxanne Perez, who's now NXT as NXT Women's World Champion, or a guy like Brian Keith, who's traveling around the Independence right now, who's making a big name for himself after just being in Texas for so many years, and people are able to see how great Brian Keith is, or a guy like Mysterious Q. You guys should look up Mysterious Q. He's a great professional wrestler. And now WWE's doing business with Poker T's reality of wrestling. So now certain members of their NXT roster will be able to go down to Booker T's Reality Wrestling and they'll be actually able to go over there, have some matches there and do all that type of stuff. So I consider Reality Wrestling working with WWE a big plus and it's a big plus for Booker T because he's actually able to have his people be sent up to WWE. And he's so, again, Booker T is helping talent. So Booker T truly is the man. And whether you know him again as Kane Booker, whether you know him for being his time with Goldust, whether you know him for just being the man that was always doing the spin rooney I mean, there's a lot of things that people might know Booker T for. But I want people to know Booker T as a guy that made it out of nowhere. He was a guy that made it out of the slums to become one of the greats to do it in the professional wrestling business. One of the greats to do it just from his own background so let that be another message for you just like i said last week with mvp this week again don't let your background or what your past what you've done in the past hinder what you want to do in the future because booker t and mvp are perfect examples of you could have a criminal background or you could have done some crime in the past but guess what you can easily change your life you can do something else And you can improve your future. Don't let your past just stop you. Continue on. Continue moving. Life, you have a whole lot of life left in you. Constantly try to better yourself. And guess what? Somebody will see what you're doing and it will pay off for you in the end. So again, Booker T, he's helping out the future now. And for his resume, guess what? Better that people want to go to him. It's better that people want to go to Booker T School because guess what? They know they have an easy way into the WWE by going through Booker T School. So if anything, let this be a self promotion thing for Booker. Go to Booker T's Reality Wrestling School in Texas and try to learn how to be a professional wrestler from literally one of the greatest to ever do it, Booker T. Now, with all that being said, this has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by My Two Cents Podcast. That has been my black spotlight of the week for booker t i hope you guys have a great saturday i hope you guys enjoy your saturday i hope you guys are getting yourself ready for the big game tomorrow Uh, i will be having a sunday episode uh tomorrow i don't know how long it's gonna be it might be short it might be long i don't know it's all about how i feel but you guys do know you're getting a sunday episode so again let that be known now, with all that being said, I love you all. I thank you. Please have a good day. Please don't be a dick. Please be courteous to everybody on the road and everybody you come in contact with. And also, Valentine's Day is coming this week, so if you haven't gotten it yet, get your partner something because guess what? You don't want to be the only person to have your partner be mad at you on Valentine's Day. You don't want that. Now, with all that being said, this has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I. I'm him. I love you all i thank you and kanye could you please take these people home i'm tired you tired uh-huh. jesus wept.